Hi, I'm Rami. And I'm Shannon, and this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read or learned to help all of us expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy, but without a whole new degree. This week, we are uh, not talking about sunk ships in the ocean. <laughs> what I'm talking what? about, Rami. <laughs> what? We're talking about sunk cost. I think this is a term that many of us have heard before. I don't know if we always know what it means. And so today we're going to talk about the sunk cost perspective, right, Rami? Yes. So we're talking about sunk cost. Um, I think it's an interesting topic because once you start to really dive into it, you're like, yeah, no, I've dealt with that. I don't know how to kind of get around it. So we've got a few like little tips and tricks and kind of walking through it just to kind of give us some advice on what I think, what I think is something that holds back a lot of companies, especially small companies, um, because you have to make sure that all your energy is put in the right places. Yeah. So with that sunk cost is the definition that I have here. Uh, in economics and business decision-making, a sunk cost is a cost that has already been incurred and cannot be recovered. So it's really about the idea that like we spent a billion dollars rolling out this new system. We need this system to work. Mm-hmm. Like it has to work. And if it doesn't work, well, we're going to make it work because we've spent so much on this thing, right? Like I remember uh, in business school, they would talk about like Nike rolling out a new like inventory management system mm-hmm. and they'd spend a billion dollars or whatever it was mm-hmm. trying to force it to work and then it wouldn't work and it would disrupt their supply chain and it would do all these things. And then they just revert back to what they did. Right. But there was a long period of time where they try to make that thing work because of how much they spent on this new system. And in the same way, outside of money, you have the time idea of sunk cost, right? Like we've been working on this thing for eight months. Like we can't just abandon it now. Like we need to push forward and make it a thing. Yeah. Can I share an example that I see a lot in clients actually? Yes. On a personal note, uh, people who want to switch careers and they've like, they have like this sunk cost fallacy of like, oh, but I've put so much time or I've got a degree in this. You know, I paid for college education to be X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing this for five years, so I can't possibly change now. But forgetting that, I don't know, maybe they're like, I don't know, like, like let's say 32, for example, and they have flipping 30 years of a career ahead of them. Yep. Why be miserable for another 30 years just because you've already paid for an education in one thing that you've done for 10? No, that's exactly it. I love that. So I think it's it's anything, right? Like anything where you say like, well, no, I've spent too much time on this thing. Yeah. And I need to make this thing work yeah gotta hang on gotta hang on gotta get my money's worth right it's like my dumb tomatoes some of my tomatoes are successful and some of them are failure (laughs) but i'm pretty sure i'm gonna keep digging up the failed ones and replanting them with new ones until they take because i'm a masochist who (laughs) must have just an absurd amount of tomatoes it's like me and my rabbits in my garden this year man my mom finally said, Shannon, you're being too generous to the rabbits. Put up a fence already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay. So we're all clear on what sunk cost is now. What do we need to know next? Okay. So I think the, the, the question that I want to answer is how do we step away from a project, from a career, from a tomato plant <laughs> that we've invested time and money in for so long? A lot of time we don't, right? And we force it to work even when it doesn't. So I think one of the biggest drivers of that is we're afraid to fail fast and move on. Yeah. This is a core tenant of design thinking. It's something I've always brought into working in startups is fail fast and learn learn faster, right? Like do the thing, test it out. If it doesn't work, move on. I think especially... As you think about sunk cost, it's doing the thing, failing, but not acknowledging that it's a failure and continuing to try to make that thing work. (laughs) So I think the biggest thing here is having the EQ to admit that you've actually been defeated, Mm. acknowledge it, learn from it, and then move past it. I think when you aren't willing to show the humility and accept that defeat. What you're doing with your hubris is actually saying, well, no, we're going to spend more money and time on this thing because I'm not willing to say that like we failed. And if I would just say that we failed, that's going to save everybody time and money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right on. And it goes with, uh, something that I feel like I say until I'm blue in the face with clients is the power of experimentation. And when we get so stuck in our ways, right, this is the thing that literally blocks us from making change. And what is the only thing that we will continue to face our whole lives long (laughs) change. And so we have to get more comfortable with failing fast and, and moving forward from it. Yes. Uh, The second one I have is that we don't keep our end consumer in mind when we build things. So I think of my time in large and medium companies and us talking to our manager, director, whoever it was, and saying like, oh, we have an issue with this process. Mm -hmm. And they go, oh, this team has some extra bandwidth. They can work on that. Then they come and talk to you once and say, okay, what's your issue? Say, okay, this thing. Then they go off and work on it for six months and never talk to you. And then they come (laughs) back and they're like, we fixed your problem. You're like, well, if we had talked between any of that time, I would have told you that like, I don't have that problem anymore or like my problem has shifted. And so your solution is trash, Yeah. but then they're going to try and force you to take that solution. Cause your manager goes, well, no, they just spent six months working on this thing. Like you have to implement it and, and try and make it work. Yeah. But you're like, I don't want that thing because I wouldn't have had, I known it was going to become this animal. I wouldn't have asked for it or I would have told them to adjust it before we got to that point. So can we fix it now? Well, no, that team has moved on to something else. Yeah. Well, so what am I supposed to do with this thing that doesn't work for me and is going to add more work to my team? So uh, what I'm as you're talking, I'm thinking, well, that's so clear, like in a, a workplace environment, so to speak. And I'm trying to find the parallel to the other examples we talked about of sunk costs. Like, how do you keep your end user in mind when it comes to like tomato plants or switching your career? And I think maybe in that case, it's like your end user is your mother freaking self, you know, yep. <laughs> So keep your end user in mind in that sense of thinking, oh, wow, well, do I want to keep nursing this sick GD tomato plant? 
yep. for another three months? Or do I just want to like try to start over and see if I can get a better result? Do I want to keep nursing this sick career for another three years? Or do I want to have courage and try something different and see if I can get a different result? Or even like, do I continue to take classes or invest in myself in this career path? Yeah. Or do I just stop doing those things? Like, yeah, I spent the the one year cost of unlimited whatever it is to like brush up on all the basics in my career. Yep. But like, maybe I just need to cut that and say like, okay, cool. Like I spent the money. Like I don't need to invest more of my time into that because what I should really be focusing on is this pivot into this other portion of my life and what I want to do next. Yes. Yes. I love it. Thanks for letting us find that parallel. Okay. So the next one is really where sunk cost becomes really important is after we've spent time and money on something, we see that project as being more valuable. (laughs) And so it's hard to admit failure because we now look at it as this really big thing, right? So let's say we've gotten past the point where we didn't want to fail fast. We didn't want to admit that, right? Like our hubris took over. Um, and now we've let it kind of <clears throat> balloon into this bigger thing. What you see in that space when you do a check-in, right? Everybody says, all right, we're at the halfway mark of this project. And you say, all right, let's do our check-in. It's not going how we expected. What are our options? Well, we can throw more time and money and people at it. Or we can just call it a failure and be done with it, right? But I think because you've let it get to that point, it's difficult for teams, for companies to allow things to be a failure, especially when you're doing a check-in. And so, again, I'll go back to the first thing, which is like, don't let your hubris get in the way of wasting time, money, energy on something that it shouldn't be wasted on. And I think, I think especially like the check-in, right? Like we've talked about time and how like a midway check-in is so important or a three-quarter check-in or a quarter check-in is important. I think being really vulnerable and real in those spaces, I think is important to allow, allow for defeat. Yeah. I'm going back to episode 30 where we talked about temporal landmarks And I love that you brought that tie in here. Like, how can we use those? But those are only going to be useful to us to the to the degree that we are willing to be really honest and assess, like, is this still worth? Well, maybe it's maybe that's the thing with sunk cost. We focus on like, is it still worth the money that we put Uh in? And we need to focus on like, what's still ahead of us? Is this worth continued investment of time, money, resources, energy from this point forward, regardless of how much we put in? Yes. Okay, so let me ask you this question, Shannon. Can you think of any projects, uh, careers, (laughs) or things that you worked on (laughs) that you continue to push past its expiration date? Uh, yeah, the first thing that I thought of was my uh, my corporate career, my career target, that I kept trying to push it past the date that it expired. It expired. I'm not quite sure when it expired. I think for sure it was expired by March of, I don't even know what year anymore, but it took me until August <laughs> to say this is this is past its point. 
And honestly, it was probably past that even before then. Like I think about how many times I had changed careers even up until having, you know, a five-year career at Target. I don't even know if you can call that a career, a five-year stint at Target. Uh, and it was like my commitment to not wanting to, to fail a little bit. I could think of a billion examples. I'm, I'm also going back to thinking of uh, before that when I was in sales and I had a degree in sales and I was sure, you know, and I could have gotten really stuck on, on sunk costs there a little bit and mm-hmm. have kept chugging along in a career in sales. I was flipping miserable though. And I knew it after two years. And so I was done after two years and switched to, you know, the world of retail, if you will. Um, yeah. So those are the things that come to mind for me of just like not letting it get past an expiration point because it's painful for everybody when you stay and it's starting to get stinky in there, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's the, it's that thing where like everybody knows it stinks and everybody just wants to like spray air freshener on it. And it's uh-huh. like, no, just like bag it up, throw it in the garbage, throw it out and let's just be done with this thing. Like, Yes, we're throwing some gold away in there, but like we just have to be willing to admit defeat and like roll with it. Yes. I think the only time this advice is going on deaf ears is if you are a consultant or one of those big consultancies. This is how they make all their money, which is someone big company pays them to do a project. And regardless of whether or not it's required towards the end, they're still going to push through and finish their project. Mm. Whether or not anyone will use it because they've been paid a lot of money with a lot of zeros. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Can you think of an example for you? I was working on a project uh, on like, uh, like transitions, which is like shifting the aisle from some products to another. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to get everybody on the same, like, exact same timing it was like that's never gonna happen and so halfway through we like had a check-in and everybody was like i'm not gonna do that like for sure not gonna do that (laughs) it was like really nice to hear everybody be like no go screw yourself like you can keep working on this but we're not gonna do anything with it it was like okay cool like let's blow up that idea is there anything we can salvage it was like yeah the new calendar is like okay if we adjust it for everybody but it's like a good it's like an okay process if if it's adjusted specifically for each team the way that they want it. So that's kind of what we did is like, we took that piece of and rolled that out to everybody. It was like, okay, here's like a new version for you guys, which I think was slightly better than what they had before, but they're actually willing to use it. Yeah. Yeah. But that was fun. Everyone, everybody tell me like, I will not use this thing. It was like, I okay, mean, cool. Amazing for it to be honest in that sense, for sure. I can think of so many projects that I saw at Target. Some some myself that I led where it was just like, you just had to have a project or something that like, Uh look at this thing that I'm working on. But like deep down, you knew this is like a piece of crap. Like, why are we doing this? Just so somebody can get their promotion? Like, no, no, this is not. I mean, but that's that's why you did it, right? So that people could get their promotions. Thank God they've changed that culture since then. Yes. Okay, Rami, wrap this in a bow for us. What are the things you want us to take away? Fail fast, learn faster, be humble, don't let your hubris cost your company or your life time and money, and constantly check in with your end users to see if the time and energy and money that you're spending on whatever this is will actually deliver against the needs that they have. 
Yeah, and remember that you are your own end user in your own life, you know? Boom. So, like, think about that. All right. With that, we'd love for you to connect with us on Instagram at Workplace Hugs. I have a feeling somebody's going to have a light bulb in this episode and be like, crap, I need to get this. Like, this is some cost. I need to, like, change some things in my life or in my work right now. If that's you, will you DM us and let us know? I think I might be. Maybe I'm that person. <laughs> Shannon, feel free to slide into the Workplace Hugs DM. I'll, I'll respond. Here we go. Uh, with that, I've been Shannon. I've been Rami, and this has been Workplace Hugs. <laughs>